Hi there, I'm your host Kate. I grew up in Seattle, Washington around friends that were entrepreneurs or had parents that were. Throughout my different ventures, I came to a realization that I enjoy talking to people about their careers and listening to their inspiring stories. One day, I thought to myself, why not record these conversations and make it into a podcast? So here we are, and now these stories are available to you with the hope that you'll also find them inspiring. Ryan Chaw is a full-time pharmacist that picked up a side hustle in real estate investing. His goal is to achieve financial freedom, and he's on track to retire at age 30. Listen in as Ryan shares his story on how he got started and how you can too. Ryan, I see that you're a pharmacist, but you're also a real estate investor. So during the Great Resignation, a lot of folks left their jobs, and it seems like you instead of leaving your job, you kept your full-time job as a pharmacist, but also picked up a passive income uh, job in real estate. So Mm -hmm. uh, what made you want to add a side hustle? Yeah. So, you know, I'm pharmacist turned real estate investor. I actually saw my grandpa do this. He bought a couple of properties in the Bay area uh, back in the fifties when everything was dirt cheap. And over time, we all know that there, there was a huge boom in Silicon Valley. And then my grandpa was able to retire early and not only that, but help cover part of my college tuition and that of my brothers as well. So I real, realized that real estate is one of the best ways to create generational wealth for people. And so I just wanted to get started as soon as as possible. Um, I bought my first single family home back in 2016. And I basically uh, used the equity and the cash flow on that property to purchase one property a year. And now I'm making about $18,000 per month or so um, in student housing. So I rent out by the bedroom to double the cash flow on the properties. Um, and why, why did I get into it? It's not just a uh, you know, inspiration for my grandpa, but I also wanted to be able to do more with my life, uh, travel the world four times a year, um, just spend more time with family um, and for things that I, you know, feel matter in my life. And I wanted to make a larger impact on the world. And I wouldn't be able to do that uh, being stuck working as a pharmacist from uh, nine to five, basically, until I hit 65. I didn't uh, subscribe to that um, life, right? So it sounds like you're trying to achieve financial freedom. Yes. And real estate is where it would get you there. Mm -hmm. Real estate is one of the best ways to uh, achieve financial freedom for people. It's very scary getting started. And I was... I was hella scared at the very beginning because I've never done this. This is like something I just have to figure out on my own. Um, But along the way, I kind of uh, had some helpers and I built up a team and I built up some systems. And so now it's like I spend less than an hour a week doing it. Um, And it's it's really grown as kind of a self-propelling machine or automated machine uh, that just kind of gives me that passive income that I can go ahead and use to work less at my day job or, you know, again, spend more time with family, travel the world and all that. 
That's wonderful. So I'm thinking back to the first house you got when you're 26 in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing at that point you self-manage, but you brought up that you put systems in place since then to make, to allow you to just work one hour, like one hour or less a week. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to that point from self-managing to putting a system in place? Yeah. So you have to realize for real estate investing, the source of income is your tenant. So the first thing you need to do is find high quality tenants. And I kind of go through this if you look up my prime method, but basically I find um, ten- college students that are at high-end colleges. Usually these colleges uh, have like straight-A students, well-rounded, well-educated, very professional. Um, some of them are even like healthcare professionals and they take care of the house. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I just bring them in and they kind of just do their thing, right? And they also kind of take more responsibility around the house too. If I need something done, I ask, hey, can you go ahead and do that or maybe I'll provide some instructions for them but for the most part they're pretty independent people Um, the other thing you have to do is build up a team so if something breaks down on the house you have to have somebody to fix it Uh, I I actually have this acronym for finding your team it's called allies so A stands for agent so you have to have a real estate agent that's really well versed in the market he knows his stuff Um, he's been working for many years maybe and so he can get you a pretty good deal on that market. L stands for uh, lender. So you also have to have a really good lender who you can use for multiple properties um, so that you can basically scale your portfolio. And then licensed contractor is very important. So having a, a contractor who's like is considered a general contractor and also having handyman as well. So handymen do kind of the smaller projects, but you need them on hand in case like a tenant says, hey, the dishwasher is broken or hey, the dryer is broken. We need to replace it. Right. So building that team is super important. I stands for inhabitants, um, which also means that tenants essentially. So having the tenants kind of empowering your tenants to do some of the tasks around the house for you can definitely cut back on a lot of the work you would have to do. Um, E stands for let's see, uh, expert tax accountant. So having somebody really good at taxes um, is is really important to have because you can save a ton of money on taxes. It's actually kind of a tax shelter um, if you invest in real estate. And then finally, the last S is supervisor. So either you uh, manage it yourself like I did, or you hire out property management company. And kind of all that together is what creates that system for you so that you have, you know, $5,000, $6,000, $8,000 per month just coming to you in passive income, which is uh, very possible for anybody to do within, I would say, a five to eight year time period. Wonderful. And do you still self-manage it up to this day or do you have someone in place for property managing? Yeah, I self-manage it up to this day. But like I said, it's like less than an hour a week because I kind of have the softwares in place. I also have that team in place that I can count on. If like, let's say something breaks down, I'll just forward it to my handyman to go ahead and fix it. He'll send me, I mean, he'll let himself in with the lockbox code. Um, and then he'll do his work. He'll send me a bill and then I'll just send him a check. And that's about it. So you mentioned you had some software, software that you use. Um, could you share with us what that is? 
Yeah, so there's one really good one out there called Tenant Cloud. There's also Rent Ready. Uh, it basically allows you to write up all the leases, send them to the tenants. It'll actually bill them if they have late rent. It'll collect all the payments and everything. Uh, you could also use just like Zelle. It's a third payment, uh, third party payment software that kind of uh, works with um, all the banks out there. Um, let's see what else is there. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Or like Zillow, of course, to find deals. If you're in the deal finding phase, you, Zillow has a ton of information on there if you know how to use it right. And you can filter as well for what type of house you're trying to find. I know you had shared uh, previously that you found one of your last uh, rental properties off market. Yes. And that's not really heard of, especially in the sell hot sellers market. Yes. How did you come about that? And uh, what would you advise others do to find a property? Yeah, so for that, it's about building your relationship with the agents. So my agent knows exactly what I'm looking for. He knows I'm looking for like a three bed, two bath house where I can add bedrooms whenever possible. So I can double my cash flow or double my rents um, by renting out by the bedroom. And so he knows, uh, you know, I need it close to campus and all of that. So anything that pops up for him, he'll send it to me even before it's listed on the market. And he has a little bit of an incentive to do this because if he represents both the seller and the buyer, he gets double the commission, right? So um, he'll actually draw up some uh, contracts or he'll get some sellers under contract to uh, sell directly to me without uh, getting having to list it on the market. And for that, he knows also I'm good at closing very fast. I have the funds to be able to afford this. And, you know, I'm not super picky in terms of, you know, um, trying to get every single cosmetic detail fixed before I purchase the property. So he knows it's going to be a pretty smooth sale. So he'll give it to me before he actually lists on the market. And so what happened is I got a $340,000 house um, that was later like appraised for $380,000 just a few months later. Yeah. It sounds like a good steal. Like you got a good it was deal definitely there. a good deal. Yeah. It was worth more like three eighty dollars for sure. Yeah. And um, the houses that you're renting out, are they all single family homes? They are. And that's because that's all I could afford. I can't afford like a huge apartment complex. Right. Um, later on, you know, I realized you can um, use other people's money and crowdfunding and syndicating to buy more bigger properties like that. But for me, just kind of getting started, I wanted something that I felt comfortable with and that I could easily afford. Um, in fact, you can even like, for instance, this house, I'm house hacking it where I, I only have to put three and a half percent down payment on it. And I just rent out the other bedrooms and the other mm -hmm. bedrooms basically cover the rent, the mortgage and the expenses and all of that. So um, single family homes are one of the best ways to get started for a lot of people just getting mm -hmm. started. So you mentioned house hacking, not a lot of listeners may be familiar with that term. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit of what that is? Yeah. So basically means that you live in one bedroom of the house. And if you occupy the house that you purchase, that means you can get a very low down payment or you can put as low as a three and a half to 5% down payment on the house and still own the property. If you're not living in the property, lenders usually require 20% down payment. So in this case, I'm able to put a lower down payment, um, live in one room, and then I rent out the other rooms. And each room I rent out for, like for this one's about $850 per room. And so there, 
well, total, I have four other bedrooms. It's one of them's a couple. So they're paying about 1160. So total, it's about $3,650 per month um, in rental income on this house. And my mortgage is 2300. So I'm living it for free. Uh, not only that, but I'm making an additional like $1,300 in just cash flow, right? Minus some expenses, but yes. You bought the house, but you, because you're renting it out, the mortgage is taken care of by itself. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone can afford a single family home off the bat. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on condos or townhouses um, to rent out? Yeah. So what you have to realize for condos and townhouses, they usually have an HOA associated with it, which is kind of like a local government that can govern certain things. And they could say things like, oh, you're only allowed to have so many renters in this neighborhood. Like there's only five designated houses that can have that can rent out to renters or to tenants. Um, they can also say like, you can only have like two cars parked at this house, not four or five cars, right? So I generally don't try to rent under a condo or townhouse. I would always try to save up like a down payment to purchase the house. And like I said, you can get started uh, quite cheaply. Like you can buy a $500,000 house for um, what is it like 10, 20,000 if you do a you know, three and a half to 5% down payment. And so for a lot of people, they can get started um, uh, pretty cheaply. If you get started with a lower down payment under 20%, typically there's PMI added to that? That is correct. And what are your thoughts on that? A lot of people avoid that and say, oh, I'm going to wait until I have that 20% so I can avoid PMI. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Should people just get started earlier with what they have or wait till they get the 20%? It all depends on the numbers. So if let's say you're renting out each room and you're renting it out for like 700 a room and you have four other or five other, let's say you have five other bedrooms that you could potentially have. So that's $3,500 in rent. Well, if the mortgage is only like 2,000, 2,500 and then plus PMI, it's like, you know, uh, you know, 2,800 or 2,500, well, you're covering your mortgage. So you don't have anything to worry about, essentially. Plus, not only you you get that cash flow, you're also getting appreciation, which means your house goes up in value. Um, let's say it goes up 3%. Well, uh, because you're using leverage, you, you could have a much higher return. Um, there's also equity pay down, which means the tenants are paying down your loan a little bit. Every month goes towards the principal. And over time, more and more goes towards the principal rather than just the interest. And so you, you gain that as well. And then um, you also get the tax benefits as well. So there, there's a lot of little things that create wealth in real estate that people don't talk about. It's cash flow, equity pay down, appreciation, and then tax benefits combined usually make at least a 30% return on your money invested. A lot of my deals, like um, actually average for my deals have made a, about a 50% return on investment each year. So over the last five years, it's about a 360% return. Yeah, especially with the um, the last two years with the housing market becoming so hot, yeah. the values of home shot up real quick. Yeah. So, and I also, um, I'm in California too. So I, I get a lot of the, um, you know, profit through appreciation as well, yeah. but for other markets, you know, they're a little bit lower in appreciation, but they have a lot more cash flow. We talked about just the 
like your thoughts on st getting started early or waiting to get the 20%. It sounds like it's all in the numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I kind of wanted to bring up that I keep hearing um, is the mortgage rates are so high right now. So in the last two years, they were record low, pretty low, like the two, 3%. Mm -hmm. And now they're hovering over 5%, almost 6%. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of fear um, from some people that want to get started. Mm -hmm. Their thoughts could be, oh, the mortgage uh, rates are so high, but house prices are also really high. Mm -hmm. At this point, do you think that it's also a good time to get started? Or do they sit in, on the sideline and wait? Okay, so this is how real estate works, coming from somebody who's been in the business for six years. Imagine you're planting a garden, right? You're not going to wait for the most fertile conditions, for rain to be perfect and everything before you plant the seed. Instead, you plant the seed now, and then you kind of figure things out along the way, depending on you know where the market goes. It, it still doesn't, it doesn't matter. As long as you have that cash flow, you it grows over time. So if you even if um, you know you have these higher interest rates, um, as long as you have that cash flow or as long as you're able to make um, money on the profit on the house, then it makes sense to do. And for the the method that I use, where we rent by the bedroom um, in the local college towns, you're doubling your rental income. And so even during this market with the higher interest rates, you're able to uh, make a lot of profit. The other thing I would say is, yeah, it's high, but relative to where it was like, like last year, Last year, you know, everything was like super, super low. It's like almost like free money. Um, but rent, I mean, interest rates have gone up as high as eight to 12%, right? So it's better to actually buy now when we know we're probably going to go up a little bit more and lock in that low interest rate for 30 years rather than wait to see what happens. Um, usually there's an inverse relationship between interest rates and home prices. So interest rates go up, home prices go down. But here's the thing, you know, you're, you're still paying about the same amount on your mortgage, essentially, because it's about what people can afford. And so if the mortgage is too high, well, the, the home prices are going to come down a little bit. But in the end, higher interest rate with a lower home price still leads to kind of a, a similar in, uh, similar mortgage for people. So, you know, like a mm -hmm. garden, you want to plant your seeds now. You don't want to wait. Definitely mm -hmm. don't wait. That's probably the biggest mistake I made when I started out. A lot of people, um, especially starting in their first home, they're mm -hmm. nervous um, to start buying. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, you could always have, mm -hmm. see, that's the thing. A lot of people, I hate to say it, but it, you know, you always have an excuse, right? So last year it was like, all oh, the home prices are too high. This year it's all the interest rates are too high. Well, you're never going to have everything perfect. And that's why I said, like, you can't wait for a fertile soil all the time. You got to just put the seed in. And, and, yeah. Know, yeah. Cause I, um, I know people who are also wanting to wait until um, the house prices cool down a bit. Interest rates will be high, but then um, there are also some that are saying there could be a possible recession coming up. And during recessions, house prices and um, interest rates are usually both lower. So um, do you think that that's going to be coming up or still just go ahead? Like no one has a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. 
what I would say is uh, invest based off what you know now, which the interest rates are actually quite low still. Um, five and a half percent on investment properties. That was the same. That was a very similar interest rate to 2000, I think 2018, if I remember correctly. So they're not that high right now, actually. They're, they're still quite low, um, but we do expect them to go higher. And we know that the Fed is planning on most likely raising interest rates continually for, for the next year, or maybe even two years. So that's something that we already know or is very, very, very likely. The other stuff that you mentioned, we don't know. We don't know mm -hmm. if a recession is already here, if it's coming. We don't know if the house prices will drop, if they won't drop. It's not the same as 2008. That's for sure. Um, 2008, it was subprime mortgage lending that was happening. It was predatory lending. We don't have the same thing right now. And so the prices might not even drop. What if you, know, what if you waited and now it's 20% higher or 30% higher? What if you waited and your interest rate went up another percent? Another percent is an extra at least $300 a month that you're paying um, yeah. on your mortgage. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're also giving up on opportunity costs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're giving up on those four things we, we talked mm -hmm. about. Cap, um, appreciation, equity pay down, tax benefits, and cash flow. And even if you wait, let's say you wait a year and you save like $20,000 on the house. Well, during that one year you waited, you probably made at least $30,000 in the mm -hmm. equity uh, pay down the appreciation, the rent, the tax benefits. So it doesn't make sense to wait. Well, it seems like you got a good thing going. You really seem to enjoy what you're doing, both um, as a pharmacist and being a real estate investor. Do you think that like your timeline will look like in the future? Do you think you will um, be a full full time real estate investor and then maybe not as much of a pharmacist? Or do you think you're going to be do doing both for a while? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say at that point, I kind of have the, the choice what I want to do, right? Uh, one thing I wanted to do was travel the world for a couple months, um, just kind of explore different cultures. I might do that. Um, the other thing I wanted to do is create a medical research company to find a cure for allergies because I had a life-threatening anaphylactic reaction when I was like two years old. So I almost died. Um, and so I, I always wanted to kind of pursue that type of impact on in my life during my lifetime. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, oh, I could have been so much more, right? So I think that's that's the biggest thing is I wanted to say, I gave it my all, right? Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the path that I'm kind of headed towards. Um, I also coach uh, people who are trying to get into real estate investing, just trying to get started, just that very first step. Um, so I've already taught like 30 clients or so doing that through the student housing method. And we've gotten like spectacular results for people. And so, you know, I'll probably be expanding that mentorship to more people as well. Yeah, a lot of people out there do wanna get started early and you're creating classes. And um, we're here talking about passive income in the real estate um, sector, but you're also, you also brought up a second point which is educational digital classes, mm -hmm. which is a growing uh, sector as well. And yes. um, are, are your classes offered um, online on your website only, or do you offer it through other platforms as well? 
Uh, through my website, so you can reach it at www.newbierealestateinvesting.com slash guide. Um, I, basically, if you sign up there, I give you my free guide, and then you also get a link to work with me. Um, it's, again, www.newbierealestateinvesting.com slash guide. Newbie is spelled N-E-W-B-I-E. And I also give you free tips on like how to get started, some of the biggest obstacles that I faced and how I overcame them. So it's really a great resource for anybody out there. If you had to give a grocery list style um, on how to get started in real estate, what mm -hmm. are your top items you would list out? So the first thing is choose a strategy. Um, if like, let's say you want to do flipping because it's something you are passionate about or seems very interesting to you, or maybe it's wholesaling. Or for me, it was student housing because I could double the rental income. Um, first, choose your strategy, read up on what's out there and then choose one. Once you choose one, figure out um, somebody who's um, really mastering that space. So like if you, you know, you want to flip houses, find somebody who's flipped over 100 houses right? Find a mentor to teach you and walk you through the process because it could save you years. You know, you could spend like 10, 20 years doing this thing while, while instead you could uh, find somebody who's done it for 30 years and just get all their knowledge within the first two years, right? It just makes sense to find a mentor. Um, the third thing you want to do is start um, getting financing. So what you want to do is, of course, save up money, save up some capital so that you can invest in more properties. Four, I would say, is building a team. So we already mentioned this already, allies. Really create that team around you so this is a systemized process for yourself. And then I would say five is just commit to the process. You know, um, you have to focus, you have to commit to something over three, five, eight years. If, if this is something that interests you, you really have to spend, um, you know, a couple of years like kind of, you know, doing it right. Otherwise, if you buy one property and then you're like, OK, let me move on to something else. You know, you're not going to achieve the scale that you want to achieve. Do you have like a certain number of properties you think you'll be purchasing? Or are you just going to keep going until until when? Yeah, so this year I'll probably be purchasing two more. I eventually want to do something like um, I want to leverage into a, a larger portfolio. So I have about 1.6 million or so um, in equity. So what I want to do is buy like a $10 million portfolio. And this is the last thing I would say is think big, you know, uh, eventually I'll probably be purchasing something like a $10 million portfolio with a 10% cap rate, which means that, um, What's 10%? Like it, it would be a million dollars a year in rental income. Um, so that kind of allows me to live um, a life where I can make a bigger impact. I don't have to worry about money so that I can choose mm -hmm. to maybe use this extra money to donate to causes that I, uh, you know, I'm passionate about, for instance, yeah. like the breast cancer, right? Breast cancer research um, and the allergen research that I talked about as well. Right now, you're bringing in $18,000 a month just in passive income. Mm -hmm. That's so, uh, rental income, yes. In rental passive income. And then that's aside from your full-time pharmacist job. Mm -hmm. Like you're on a path for early retirement already. Mm -hmm. so yeah. That's, yeah. So next year, I'll be able to retire. So yeah. I'll be around 30, 31 or so. And so I'll plan to either work maybe like one or two days a week as a mm -hmm. pharmacist, or maybe I want to spend that time, you know, expanding the business. Um, the sky's the limit, right? Once yeah. you have that financial freedom for yourself.
and financial independence. Huge congrats to you. Early retirement at 30, 31, that's, a, that's like a dream. I'm kind of surprised how far I've come, um, but it all just started with buying that first house. You know, yeah. it set me on a different path. A lot of people who are struggling um, out there who are, you know, just paying the bills, right? Mm -hmm. Your system is actually rent by room. Yes. Have you had any issues? Because I imagine there are multiple tenants sharing one house Mm -hmm. and probably common shared space, like the kitchen and the living room. Mm -hmm. Has that brought any issues? Yeah, so what I would say is it's a lot to do with um, choosing the right tenants. To answer your question, not too, not too often. Uh, that's because these students, they come from like the dormitory life where they're already bunking with somebody else. Well, in this case, they have their own private room and they're paying like half the price as bunking with somebody else. So for them, it just makes a lot more sense. Um, most of the time they're at school studying. Um, maybe they're at the library or something like that. They're usually not even at home. So there's a lot less conflict than you would think. Um, they're not even at the house. Uh, they're only mainly there to sleep maybe eat uh, and shower. That's about it. That was Ryan Chaw, a pharmacist turned real estate investor. If you want his free guide on real estate investing, make sure to check out his website at www.newbierealestateinvesting.com forward slash guide. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on our website at www.dayoneway.com or follow us on social media.
That was Ryan Cha, a pharmacist turned real estate investor. If you want his free guide on real estate investing, make sure to check out his website at www.newbierealestateinvesting.com forward slash guide.